This podcast is presented to you by High Desert Word Center in Barstow, California. For more information, visit hdwc.org. Well, uh, tonight, uh, the title is this. The title is Be of Good Cheer. Be of Good Cheer. And I want to encourage you for a little bit tonight. And I just want to go over several places in the New Testament, several places in the Gospels especially, um, and, and show you some stories of Jesus and remind you to be of good cheer. And you know why? Because Jesus has overcome the world. You know that, right? That he has overcome the world no matter what we face, Jesus is the answer. It's not that Jesus has the answer. Jesus is the answer. And I've got Jesus. Do you have Jesus tonight? Then you've got the answer. Quit going around saying, I don't know what to do. I don't know what to tell you. I don't know what to, because you do. You've got the answer because you've got Jesus. Amen. Let's open our Bible tonight to John chapter 16. John 16. Amen. Amen. Robert, can I get a water, please, brother? I need John chapter 16, and we're going to look at verse 33 in the New King James. John chapter 16 and verse 33. And, I mean, I am grateful for Jesus. I cannot tell you how much I love Jesus. Uh, he is everything to me, just like I know that he is to you. But Jesus is everything to me. And, uh, you know, I look back on some of the things that he's brought us through, and I am really glad that I didn't face those things alone. <laughs> John chapter 16 and verse 33 in the New King James. And I love what Jesus says right here. He says, uh, I'm in the New King James. These things I have spoken to you that in me you may have peace. Where are you going to find your peace? Are you going to find it by watching the news all day long? Certainly not. Are you going to find it by getting addicted to your favorite politician or your favorite movie star, your favorite rock band? Well, they don't do rock anymore. Your favorite hip-hop artist, you know, whatever it is you do. Praise God. Listen, no, you're not. He said, in me you may have peace. In the world you will have tribulation. But be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. Praise God. And so I love what Jesus said in his famous prayer in John chapter 17. He said that you are in this world, but you are not of this world. And so we may be in the midst of all this, and there's tribulation going on. We're not in the great tribulation yet, but there is tribulation going on. There are difficulties going on all around us, but be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. Amen. And what if Jesus had I just ended that right there. He said, in the world, you will have tribulation, period. End of story. That's Sorry about your luck. Tough times everywhere, bro. But listen, no, he didn't end it right there. He said, yeah, you'll have tribulation, but be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. And so no matter what we face, Jesus, again, he doesn't have the answer. He is the answer. And I have found Jesus, so I have found the answer. Amen? And so it's going to be up to me. I'm going to have to study his book. I'm going to have to open the word of God sometimes and find those answers. But praise God, every problem that you face, every question that you have, the answer is already in existence. Amen? And I've said this before, but the first time that you bring your problem to Jesus isn't the first time that he found out about it. 
He already knew about it before you told. No, you need to go to him and you need to talk to him about it. But it's not catching him off guard. He has already overcome the world. Praise God. So let's pray. And we're going to dig into the word here. And we're going to look at several New Testament places tonight that I believe will help you out. Amen. Father, in Jesus' name. We thank you, Lord, so much for your holy written word. We thank you, Lord, that you have given us your word, that you have preserved your word so we can have it in 2021. Lord, I pray in Jesus' name that you'll open our hearts and our minds tonight. You'll speak to us, Lord. You will change us. You will encourage us. You will correct us. You will exhort us, Lord. You will instruct us in the way that we should go. And we thank you for it, Lord. In Jesus' name, somebody say amen. So we're going to look at a few things breaking down the verse that Jesus just gave us here. Uh, and, and the first thing I'm going to say is this. Number one, the world right here, the world represents trouble. The world represents trouble. Have you ever noticed that there's a lot of trouble in this world? <laughs> I mean, you don't even have to go looking for it. Sometimes it's just there. And, and sometimes it seems like it's just looking for you. But there is trouble in this world, and that's what Jesus is talking about here. And the reason why this world gives us such trouble is because of the individual running the world. Well, wait, but I just, I thought that he's got the whole world in his hands and, and he's got me and you brother in his hands and he's got me and you sister in his hands and that, and that God is in charge of the world. God is not in charge of the world right now, unfortunately. And somebody said, well, if he's in charge, he's sure not doing a good job. This place is a mess. He's not in charge of this world right now. And in fact, 2 Corinthians 4, 4 tells us that Satan is the God of this world at the moment. God created the heavens and the earth in Genesis chapter 1, and he had this man named Adam. He said, hey, I'm putting you in charge to tend to this place, to take care of it. I've given you dominion. I've given you authority over this whole place. Just don't eat from this tree over here, and everything will be fine. And what does he do? He eats from that tree, and he brings himself. He sells out his rights to Satan, and he hands over the title to the whole place to Satan at that moment. And then Satan is currently the God of this world. Now, there's a day coming, right, when we're going to get taken out of here. And eventually there's going to be a new heaven and a new earth. Praise the Lord. It's going to happen. But until then, Satan's the God of this world. And he is the God of people that choose to not submit to Jesus. And there are a lot of people that have so far chosen to not submit to Jesus. In fact, there's really, uh, Jesus put it this way, broad is the way that leads to destruction, as narrow is the way that leads to life. And so, according to Jesus, really, there's a lot more people that have not made the right choice yet. But praise God, we're going to keep preaching the gospel. And so, the Greek word that Jesus used here for world is this word, cosmos, which primarily refers to the earth's inhabitants. So that would be me and you. I, do you inhabit the earth? Amen. I know other people that inhabit the earth. And Jesus said, here in this world, here amongst the earth's inhabitants, you will have trouble. Have any of the earth's inhabitants ever given you any trouble? Is that person sitting in this room right now? No, 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 no. Don't raise your hand. Don't raise your hand. But listen, some people, some of the earth's inhabitants, some of the people in this world, they... They, they carry trouble around with them. And, you know, especially people that are not really submitted to God. And I found out that there are people 
who say that they're submitted to God, who say that they're a child of God. But Jesus did say you can judge a tree by its fruit. And some of these people that do say that, hey, I'm, you know, I'm a child of God. Well, praise God. You know, they may believe in Jesus, but uh, you need to submit to Jesus because until then, you don't really act like a child of God. Sometimes you act like a child of the other guy. And these people can bring some trouble into our lives. And I want you to look here at Galatians chapter 5. Galatians chapter 5. Praise the Lord. We're going to encourage you tonight. But we're saying that Jesus said, here in this world, here amongst the earth's inhabitants, there will be tribulation, there will be trouble. But then he didn't stop there. He said, be of good cheer, I have overcome the world. But I'm going to look at Galatians chapter 5. And what we're looking at here is what the scripture calls the works of the flesh. Now, a lot of people are familiar with the fruit of the spirit in Galatians 5, uh, what, 19 through, or 21, uh, 22 and 23. Um, and, you know, we're familiar with the love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, all this good stuff. But before the fruit of the spirit was listed, there was really the fruit of the flesh listed the the fruit or the uh the the works of the flesh and so there's this list here and this is what happens uh the the type of fruit that somebody produces when they aren't submitted to Jesus when you are submitted to Jesus you produce love joy peace patience kindness goodness gentleness faithfulness and self-control you produce a lot of those good things but when you're not submitted to Jesus you produce these type of things and so Galatians 5:19 When you follow the desires of your sinful nature, the results are very clear. Sexual immorality, impurity, lustful pleasures, idolatry, sorcery, hostility, quarreling, jealousy, outbursts of anger, selfish ambition, dissension, division, envy, drunkenness, wild parties, and other sins like these. Let me tell you again, as I have before, that anyone living that sort of life will not inherit the kingdom of God. Now, again, you're like, I came to church to get encouraged. Why in the world are you teaching me about the works of the flesh? Well, I'm getting somewhere with this. But these are the things, the fruit that grows in your life if you are not submitted to God. And listen to me, we're talking about Jesus said you are going to have tribulation in this world amongst the population, amongst the inhabitants of this earth. And you're going to see things that are on this list. And so it's no wonder that the people in this world, that the, the people that are not submitted to God, they can bring some tribulation into your life. I mean, they're prone to hostility, quarreling, outbursts of anger, selfish ambition. You look at this list, and these aren't the things that we should be. You know, I, I don't ever look at someone like, man, that guy's really great at outbursts of anger. He must be a Christian. Wow. <laughs> oh, man, look look at the dissension that this sister sows everywhere. Everywhere she goes, man, she's got strife and jealousy. She's always getting into it with everybody. She must be a child of God. Wow. No, when I see somebody like that, I'm like, hey, whoa, whoa, time out. I don't want to be around that. Keep your dissension and your division and all that stuff. Keep that somewhere else. But, sister, that sh- these things should not be so. But right here, we can see the things on this list, and I can identify that, yeah, these are the works of the flesh. These are the things that I see the devil using to bring tribulation and struggle even against the Christian people 
And so one of the main ways that Satan is going to bring trouble into your life, honestly, is the devil working through other people. And, you know, we've talked about this. We talked about storms this morning. Sometimes we bring some trouble into our own life. Sometimes it's, you know, just a flat-out attack from the devil. But I'm telling you this much. One reason why Satan can use people to try to trip you up is because if somebody that doesn't know the Word of God very well, they won't recognize that the attack coming against them is not just that person. It's the devil working through that person, right? And, I mean, I can remember the different jobs I've had. You know, I talk about it, but uh, I remember this, you know, when I worked at FedEx when I was uh, 18, 19. Man, there was this dude that every day, he just loved to just give me trash every day. And it got to me, man. It was making me mad. And and every day I'd go and I knew that this guy was he just he loved to make fun of me being a Christian in front of the whole group. Just every day, just he would try to tell the nastiest, dirtiest, foulest jokes in front of me. Just tried every day to trip me up. And it's after a while it started to make me really mad. I'm like, God, get me I can't stand being around this guy. And then I mean I've been raised in the ways of God. My parents taught me the word. I should have caught on sooner than I caught on. But one day I'm driving to work and I'm like, wait a minute. John's not my problem. Why am I mad at John? He is clearly, very clearly not a born again Christian, okay? Well, don't judge him. I didn't have, he identified himself, brother. Listen. (laughs) So he was not a Christian at all. And so I'm like, man, here I am getting mad at him when the devil is working through an unsubmitted person to try and trip me up and get me mad. Because if Satan can get me fighting against people, he can whip me. Why? Because we wrestle not against flesh and blood, it tells us, but against principalities and powers. That means demonic forces. And so if Satan can get you to not even recognize that he's the enemy, but you think that this guy, this girl is your enemy, you'll spend all your time thinking about how you can get back at them, how you can get past them, how you can tell them what you think. And after a while, if that's where your focus is, the devil is just beating your brains out all day long, and he's laughing because you think that this dude's your problem. And you focus all your energy and resources on him. And so I said, God, forgive me. I'm not mad at John. I know what's going on here. The devil is working through John to try to trip me up and get me to lose my cool and get me to just absolutely get out of walking in the spirit. So here's what I did. I started every day on the way to work. In the name of Jesus, I bind the devil from working through John. In Jesus' name, I refuse to let it get to me, but I'm going to say this, that Satan is bound. He's going to keep his mouth shut. And not only that, he's going to end up being a good friend to me. And I mean, I just spoke words of faith. And sometimes it takes a while. This time it didn't take very long. I'm going to tell you the truth that within probably a week's time, just out of nowhere, it's like the switch was flipped. This dude took a liking to me big time. And any time someone wanted to mess with me, hey, you leave him alone, all right? He's with me. And this guy became a great friend, a great ally, and just totally 
changed his tune and was the nicest guy in the world to me. In fact, he gave me money for my wedding on top of all that. So, listen, it just totally changed everything. But that would not have happened if I lied awake at night. How can I get him back? I, I need to come back with some good comebacks. I need to come back. If I had got my focus on him, it wouldn't have happened. And so Jesus said, here in the world and amongst the world's inhabitants, against the people, there will be tribulation, but be of good cheer. I have overcome this world. Amen? And so if Satan can get you just angry at people all the time, think of that people are your problem, you are going to have a hard time. People are not your problem. I mean, Satan will work through some people to give you problems, but you need to know that Jesus has already overcome this, and you have authority over the devil that's working through them. That Jesus in you is bigger than the devil that's in them, and some of them have the devil in them, okay? I'll just tell you that right now. But praise God that the Jesus in you is bigger, and he has overcome this world, all right? So number one, the world represents trouble, but number two, Jesus has overcome every problem in the world. And I believe, you know, we, we hear that and we say amen and and all that stuff, but I believe that sometimes we, we forget this amazing fact, and instead of saying, well, Jesus has overcome it, we try to fix our problems in our own way. And I've lived long enough to find out that my own way doesn't usually work. You know, a great verse that you should know is Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. It says, trust in the Lord with all your heart. And now he doesn't say trust the Lord with all your mind. He says, trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not unto your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him and he will direct your paths. He will show you the way to go. That's Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. And, you know, I, I'm just telling you that, you know, someone the other day came to me when they needed, you know, some help with the situation they were facing. And I'm like, I'm going to tell you, this is God's way. It, it, it goes against our own understanding. I, I know that this goes against what you're thinking and what I'm thinking, but this is God's way. Just trust him and do it his way, and it'll turn out good. And they came back and told me a few days later, man, I, we did it that way, and it turned out really, really good. doesn't make any sense. And you need to know that God's ways don't always make sense, but they are always right. <laughs> they are always right. And that's why it takes faith to trust God. Because a lot of times, you, I mean, there's things that I don't understand about God. And there's things in the Bible that I don't fully understand just yet. And I know that I'll never fully understand all of God. He's too big for my brain to fully comprehend. Thank goodness for that. But I'm going to trust him and do things his way by faith, by faith. And we will overcome. He has overcome Every sickness in this world. He's overcome every poverty. You know that, that, that the answer to poverty isn't money? <gasps> yes, it is. We should just give poor people more money, then it'll fix everything. The answer to poverty is Jesus. We've given billions and trillions and zillions of dollars to poverty, and it still exists. And in some places, it's worse than before. Don't look at me like that. I'm serious. If people think, man, if, you know what, and, and Josh has preached on this and FPU talks about it, but giving somebody with, 
that that's not submitted to God and and not willing to change. If you give somebody that's put themselves in a bad spot a million dollars, you know that's not going to fix their problem. They they need a renewed mind. They need to get some self discipline. They need Jesus. But I mean, it's the truth. Every one of us at some point in life has come into some sort of a nice financial situation. Maybe none of us have been millionaires, but you've had stimuluses and you've had all this stuff come in. And it's true. A lot of times, like, nothing to show for it. You know, you may get $10,000 from, you know, the government, and you could have paid off debt, but instead, you know, we went to Disneyland and we went, and, and I'm not making fun, but I'm just saying, listen, I'm telling you right now, Jesus is the answer to every situation. Don't lean on your own understanding. If we're if we're if we're in a you know a bad situation, don't just say, "Man, money, money, money." If I just had more, if you did things God's way, it would change things. But money is not the answer to poverty. Jesus is the answer to poverty. And you know, the, I believe that's why the United States was blessed for so long is because it was founded upon Jesus. It's founded upon the Bible, founded upon God's word. And we look at all these other places that billions have been poured in, but nothing's ever changed. It's just as bad as it was 100 years ago because there's no Jesus in the mix. Anyway, that was just some free food for thought. You can trash it if you want to, but I believe it's true. All right, John chapter 14 and verse 30. Let's do it. John 14, verse 30. You still with me tonight? John 14 and verse 30. Now, Jesus says something very, uh, very important right here. John chapter 14 and verse 30. Because earlier I told you that according to 2 Corinthians 4, 4, Satan is currently the God of this world. And, you know, like, well, I don't believe that. Well, look at John 14, verse 30. And look at this. Jesus says, I don't have much more time to talk to you. Because the ruler of this world approaches. Now, who is he talking about? He is talking about the enemy. He's talking about Satan here. And so Paul called him the God of this world, small g. But right here, Jesus said he's the ruler of this world. He's approaching. But thank God, Jesus didn't end the statement right there. He says, he has no power over me. That's good news tonight. What if Jesus said, the ruler of this world's approaching and telling you what, boys, he, he's a big one. <laughs> he has got some power. He's got power over me. Jesus didn't say that. He said, he has no power over me. And in fact, you read the next verse. He says, but I'll do what the Father requires of me so the world will know that I love the Father. Come, let's be going. And so Jesus, when he died on the cross, it wasn't because Satan secured the win. It's not because Satan finally got the upper hand on Jesus. Jesus was laying his life down and he was doing what the Father required of him. But thank God. God, Satan had no power over Jesus. Three days later, he came up out of that grave, and that was the best day in history. Because if Jesus had stayed dead, we couldn't be of good cheer right now. We couldn't be in here right now celebrating. Jesus has so much power that he even has power over death. Think about that. That as a Christian... Death, you know, Paul put it this way in Corinthians. He said, oh, death, where is thy sting? Oh, grave, where is thy victory? What is he saying? He's saying that 
the grave doesn't have victory over the Christian anymore. Death has lost its sting over the Christian because when we die, we just go to heaven. We're just, it's just a better, it's a promotion for us. It's not a loss. It's a victory. It's a win. We're going to heaven someday. And that's nothing to be afraid of. But to show you even more the uh, story of Jesus uh, exercising his power over death, let's look at John chapter 11. We're in the book of John a lot tonight, but John chapter 11. And here we have the story of Jesus raising Lazarus. And I really enjoy this story. But Lazarus was a good friend of Jesus. Lazarus had these two sisters, Mary and Martha. They were they were close. They were part of Jesus' inner circle of people, some of his very best friends. And so Lazarus, a young man, he he takes sick and he dies. And uh, and so it was a few days before Jesus got there. In fact, by the time Jesus takes care of business, he'd been dead for four days. Think about that. Four days. And so Jesus gets there, and it tells us here that he was angry when he showed up. Because he's like, man, we're going to put a stop to this right now. John chapter 11 and verse 38, it says, Jesus was still angry as he arrived at the tomb. It was a cave with a stone rolled across its entrance. Roll the stone aside, Jesus told them. But Martha, the dead man's sister, protested, Lord, he's been dead for four days. The smell will be terrible. I'm like, smell or no smell, bring my brother back. Jesus is here right now. Don't be worrying about the smell. I mean, come on. Jesus responded, hey, didn't I tell you that you would see God's glory if you believe? And Jesus will say the same thing to you today. You can see God's glory in 2021 if you'll believe. You can see the works of God. You can see miracles. You can see absolute incredible things happen if you believe. And someone's like, well, I don't ever see nothing like that. Man, I've never seen anything like that. Yeah, no duh. It says, if you believe. And so Jesus, he got real straight with Martha here. He's like, Martha. Martha was always saying crazy stuff. But, but he's like, Martha, just stop. Didn't I tell you you'd see God's glory if you believe? So they rolled the stone aside. Then Jesus looked up to heaven and said, Father, thank you for hearing me. You always hear me. But I said it out loud for the sake of all these people standing here so they will believe you sent me. Then Jesus shouted, Lazarus, come out. And the dead man came out, his hands and feet bound in grave clothes, his face wrapped in a headcloth. Jesus told them, unwrap him or loose him and let him go. And there's a lot of stories that I would have liked to have been there for, but this is at the top of my list. Can you imagine this man is wrapped up like a mummy, like you see, you know, on an old movie or something? Jesus says, Lazarus, get out of there. And Lazarus comes walking out, all wrapped up like a mummy. And Jesus says, you guys, unwrap him and let him go. What a scene. What a miracle. What a thing to happen. And so sometimes we feel like we've just got these giant problems. Jesus said, be of good cheer. I've overcome the world and your problem isn't bigger than this one. This man was dead for four days, right? And Jesus comes in and says, no, 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 no. You'll see God's glory if you believe. And so 
whatever it is we're facing right now, whatever it is we're going through, you'll see God's glory if you believe. And you can be of good cheer because Jesus has overcome the world and he's overcome every situation. And so I say this a lot, but you need to know it. Not only is Jesus able to help you, Jesus is willing to help you. It does no good to have somebody that's simply able to help you if they're not willing to help you. Imagine you've got something going on with your health. You go into the doctor's office and you say, hey, here's what's going on. Do you know what it is? Oh, yeah, I know exactly what that is. Oh, good. So you're able to fix this. Oh, yeah, totally able. Okay, can you help me? Nope. But you know how to, right? Oh, yeah, I help people like you all the time. Okay, you're able, but are you willing to help me out? No, it's not my will to help you. Well, that doctor's not going to do you any good, is it? He may be able, but he's not willing. And a lot of people see Jesus that way. They know uh, every Christian, everybody will say, oh, yeah, I know God's able. I know he's all powerful. He can do anything with God. All things are possible. But they begin to doubt if he's willing to help them in particular. And you've got to get past that stage. You've got to not only know that God is able to do the miracle in your life, But you need to know that he's willing and he wants to. Not one time. You can challenge me on this and you can read all four Gospels. Not one time did somebody come to Jesus and him say, it's not my will to help you. Not one time. Not one. Read all four Gospels. Nobody. In fact, a lot of people came to Jesus and said, Lord, if it be your will, you can cleanse me of this leprosy. Lord, if it's your will, you can help me in this situation. And 100% of the time he said, I'm willing. It's my will. Let me help you. And so here's the thing. If Jesus was willing to help all these people back then, but he's not willing to help us now, that would mean Jesus has changed. And Hebrews 13.8 tells us that Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And so if Jesus changed from back then, and he's some different person now, then that means that he was a liar. But he's not a liar. Thank God. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. The same Jesus that raised Lazarus from the dead is the same Jesus that you talk to every morning while you're drinking coffee and reading your Bible. Amen? And you know who you are, right? You need you, okay. Yeah, come on, yes. Alright, so, let me show you something here, Matthew chapter 8. Matthew chapter 8, are we having a good time tonight? I'm just having a good time flipping through the New Testament here. Matthew chapter 8, let me show you something here. A perfect example of what we're talking about. Jesus is willing. He is able and He is willing. Matthew chapter 8. And we're going to look here at verses 2 through 3. And it says this. Suddenly, a man with leprosy approached him and knelt before him. Lord, the man said, if you are willing, you can heal me and make me clean. Jesus reached out and touched him. I am willing, he said. Be healed. And instantly, the leprosy disappeared. I love that. Because I know, again, that it's the same Jesus. He hasn't changed. He hasn't aged. He hasn't got tired of doing miracles. And if it was God's will for this guy to be healed, it's his will for you to be healed and to have victory in every single area of 
your life. Amen? So you will see God's glory if you believe it's God's will for you to make it through. And so what am I saying? I'm saying, listen, you need to know where your help comes from. But look at this. Number three, here's what I'm really getting at tonight, the main point of it. Be of good cheer. Be of good cheer. And, you know, I've come across people, and they'll read a verse like this. Be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. I mean, good Lord. Don't be of good cheer. I remember, you know, I've just, I've heard preachers, I've heard people, they'll read verses like this, and I'm like, do you hear yourself right now? He said to be of good cheer. It's okay to get excited about Jesus. It's okay to have a smile on your face when you talk about Jesus. You know, my dad tells stories about before he was saved, different truckers, you know, would come to him and like, you ought to go to my church. You should go to church with me. And I'm telling you, right, if that's how you invite people to church, don't invite them to this church, please. I don't want everybody to think that we're all like you. Listen, listen, you know, and, and people will form. I found this out, too. So I make sure that I don't do this. But people will form their entire opinion about a church based off of meeting one person from that church. So there could be 199 great, joyful, cheerful, wonderful, passionate, on fire for God people, 199 of them in that church, but they meet the one that's, you know, a, a sourpuss. They meet the one that's just, that's just negative and nasty and, and, and mean. And they're like, oh man, all of High Desert Word Center must be just a bunch of, you know, sad, frown-faced, depressed people. Hey, don't put that image out there. We are not like that. We are of good cheer because Jesus has overcome the world tonight. Amen? And so I love that. Be of good cheer. Be happy about Jesus. Be joyful about Jesus. Amen? And so, again, there's a lot of Christians that say, yes, Jesus has overcome the world, but they don't have any cheer about it. You need to be of good cheer when you think about Jesus. Have some joy in your life. Amen. It's a fruit of the Spirit. Joy should be a part of your life. And I love joy because joy is not dependent upon my natural circumstances. If my whole life is based upon how people treat me, listen, I'll tell you that right now. My life is not based upon how you treat me. I want you to treat me good, okay? I want you to be nice to me. But that does not determine the course of my life. I'll be just fine even if you don't like me because I know that Jesus does. Amen? And I get my – in fact, Jesus told the Pharisees this one time. They were all coming down on him and bringing a bunch of heat. And Jesus said, hey, listen, your approval means nothing to me because you don't have God's love in your heart. Jesus straight up said that. He's like, your approval doesn't mean anything to me. Aren't you glad that Jesus didn't, you know, he didn't let everybody's approval or disapproval of him change his moods? Imagine a moody Jesus. Oh, wow. Even now, what if Jesus is just in a bad mood one day, and he's like, you know what, just one time I want to do this. Zap! And he just, I mean, come on. Like, whoa! All it would take is one bad day for Jesus. Just one moody day. But thank you, Lord, that Jesus is stable and he is able, right? Come on. Jesus is stable. And you can be stable too. Because you've got a gift from God called joy. The joy of the Lord. What does it say in Nehemiah 8.10? The joy of the Lord is your strength. 
And how does joy make you so strong? Joy is the stabilizing effect in your life. Whether people are being mean, you just keep walking straight ahead with a smile on your face. If they're being really nice and everything, you just keep walking straight ahead with a smile on your face. Joy will make you strong because it doesn't matter what everybody else is doing. The joy of the Lord is your strength. And so it is not dependent upon everybody else. And now I've, I think I've explained this a lot of times, but I guess I better again. Their joy is not the same thing as happiness. Right? Happiness is a human emotion. Joy is a spiritual fruit, a spiritual gift and strength that God has given to you. Happiness is great. We all want to be happy. I mean, the Constitution gives you the right to pursue, you know, happiness, right? The pursuit of happiness. It's a great thing, and I love it, and we all want to be happy. But even more than I want to feel happy all the time, I want to have the joy of the Lord as my strength. Because people can take happiness away from me. You know, if you, if you're the one that gave me my happiness, you can take it away. But Jesus told the disciples, I'm leaving you with a gift. I'm giving you this joy and this peace and the world cannot take it away because they didn't give it to you in the first place. Amen. And so if I find my joy and I find my peace in Jesus, he gave it to me. You didn't. So you can't take it back. Jesus gave it, and he's not looking to take my joy away. He's not looking to take my peace away. He's looking to give it to me. Amen? And so let's flip over to Acts 27 here. And we were in this chapter this morning as we were talking about storms. We talked about Paul's storm. And I'm going to look at Paul's storm again one more time here. But i got to go back to the King James. We're going to look at the KJV. Yes. Amen. My dad would be so proud right now. He just loves it. He loves it when I preach from the King James. <laughs> so, amen. Yeah, they, they raised me in the King James. And I look at some of the verses that they had me memorize as a kid. Now I look back and I'm like, how in the world? Did I? <laughs> I mean, they took 40 words to say what you can say. Just Anyway, so Acts chapter 27. And here we have Paul is in this shipwreck. He's in the midst of this. Storm, and as we found out, this storm lasted for 14 days. They're out there in the midst of the of the sea. The storm is literally so bad that it's blocked the sun out. It's blocked the stars out. They're just out there in the middle of the waters, up and down, water crashing in. Just a bad situation for all this time. But we know that an angel appears to Paul as he's in prayer. And in the midst of this terrible situation, who thinks that it would be pretty difficult after 14 days of this to be real positive? I'm the only one. I mean, listen, I'm a very upbeat and positive person. And uh, and I would say that maybe occasionally I just err on the side of positivity. <laughs> And, uh, and, you know, I don't know, but I just want to always look at the bright side. But I can tell you that I would probably say after, after two or three days of this, I'd start to be like, okay, this is getting kind of old. Four or five, six, seven. By day 14, I'm probably like, we need to find the scoundrel who brought this and throw Jonah overboard, alright? Get him out of here. I don't care if he dies. I want to be able to eat again. And so, you know, we, I would mean, that's just, that's probably me. I could probably last a few days of this, but 14 days, I'm doubting how positive I would be. But here we have 
Paul, right here, I love this, Acts 27 and verse uh, 25, right here in the King James, Paul pops up. He says, he's talking to all the sailors and, and the men in charge of the ship. He says, wherefore, sirs, be of good cheer, for I believe God that it shall be even as it was told to me. And so in the midst of all this, here comes positive Paul. Can you imagine? You know, I mean, I know some of you find really, um, I don't know, the book of Proverbs says that a cheerful greeting in the morning, it can be taken as a curse. Like, if you're not a morning person and somebody that's just really bright and cheerful just pops up in the morning, does it annoy you? Are you one of those people? All right. Don't, well, don't, don't raise your hand, okay? But, 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 you know, sometimes if you're just not in the mood, a really cheerful person just popping up, they can really annoy you. And you're like, man, shut up. Now is not the time, dude. And so here we have all these guys. They've been puking and everything and throwing all their stuff overboard. They haven't seen the sun for days. And here comes the loony preacher. And he's like, wherefore, sirs, be of good cheer. <laughs> and he shows up with a smile. He's like, it'll be just as God told me. Amen. We're going to make it through this. Aren't you excited? And I'm sure they're like, kill him. He needs to die. No. Listen, why was Paul full of such good cheer? Because he had a word from the Lord that, yes, this is going to be a dangerous trip. There will be loss of cargo, but praise God, you are going to be, you're going to be shipwrecked, but nobody's going to lose their life. And so Paul was like, man, that's all I need is a word from God and I can go from there. And even in the midst of a bad situation, listen to me, Paul reached a place that God's word was good enough for him, and that's all he needed. That's very deep. That's very deep. And some of you get it, some of you don't get it. But I'm going to tell you right now, you need to reach the place in your life where God's word is good enough for you. You may not have anybody else that thinks you can do it. You may not have anything else that's lining up. It may be like everybody and everything is against you. And every, I mean, it seems like nothing's going right. But if you've got a word from God, that's good enough. That is all you need. Well, I don't have a word from God. Really? Because I've got 66 books of them right here. <laughs> you've got a word from God. You don't have to have a prophet come give you one. That's a nice thing, and I, you know, I appreciate that. You don't have to have some brother or sister come and say, hey, I've got a word from the Lord. That's nice when that happens, but I'm fine if that never happens again, because I've got the written word of God, the logos, amen, the written word of God. This is all that I need right here to give me the victory, and you need to get to the place. Do you have anybody in your life where they just say, hey, I'll take care of that? And you don't even have to think about it again. Their word is good enough. You know, like, you don't have to say, hey, could you sign here, initial here, give me your mother's maiden name, put your social security number, your last four addresses, and give me three, uh, you know, contacts and references, and then I'll believe that you're going to go to the store for me tomorrow. I mean, there's people like that, and I'm like, look, I don't, they tell me they're going to do something. I don't believe you. (laughs) Your word's no good. But listen. There's some people that are like, yeah, listen, Pastor Dave, I'll take care of that for you. I don't even think about it again because their word is all that I need. I don't need anything else. Listen, 
Jesus is this good. If he said it in here, be of good cheer, I have overcome the world, that's all I need right there. That one word alone could carry me to heaven when I die someday. That's all that I need. He has overcome the world. If God is for you, who can be against you? You are more than a conqueror through Christ Jesus. Amen. And so Paul had reached this place in his life, even in a terrible, awful, painful, bad situation. He can pop up and say, wherefore, sirs, be of good cheer. I got a word from God last night. We're going to be okay. And you have got to get to that place where God's word is all you need. you got to believe the promises of God. And just for kicks, because I feel like it, turn to Psalm 34. Psalm 34, because, yes, I mean, we could have ended on the last story there, but there's always time for Psalm 34. Amen. One of my favorite chapters of the Bible. I read it often. But Psalm 34, you just can't end a good night like this without Psalm 34. you got to do it. So Psalm 34, actually, I use this for the offering. I forgot about that. Psalm 34, we're going to look at verses 5 through 8. And this whole chapter is fire, man. If you just need to get yourself pumped up, if you need to get some encouragement, you need to read Psalm 34 every morning. Every morning. This is a good one, man. I read this every morning for a really, really, really long time. But Psalm 34, and I'm going to look at verses 5 through 8. King David says, those who look to him for help will be radiant with joy. Wherefore, sirs, be of good cheer. Amen. I have overcome the world. He says, those who look to him for help will be radiant with joy. Have you ever seen somebody that they're just radiant with joy? The joy of the Lord is just all over them. They are radiating. I love that. It says, no shadow of shame will darken their faces. In my desperation, I prayed, and the Lord listened. He saved me from all my troubles. For the angel of the Lord is a guard. He surrounds and defends all who fear him. Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Oh, the joys, there it is again, the joys of those who take refuge in him. And we could keep reading and reading and reading, but you see how many times the word joy is all over this? And the word trouble is in there, but praise God, listen, even in trouble, you can look to the Lord and owe the joys of those who take refuge in him. And so what I'm trying to encourage you with tonight is this, just like Jesus said, just like Paul said, be of good cheer. You're a child of God. Why are you walking around like that? Come on. You're a child of God. God's your father. You're in the family of God. You've got all of us as your brothers and sisters. You are really in really good shape right now. You are in the family of God. Don't go around acting like you don't have no family. Don't go around acting like God's not your father. If God wasn't your father, then yeah, you'd have a lot to be sad about. But be of good cheer. God's your father. Jesus has overcome this 
world. You're going to win if you trust him. Oh, the joys of those who take refuge in him. And so I encourage you tonight that if you are taking your refuge in him, if you are following Jesus, if he's your Lord, if he's your Savior, be of good cheer. You're going to win anything and everything that comes against you every single time. Look to him tonight. Amen. Well, let's give the Lord some praise as we close things out here. Thank you for listening to this podcast. For more information, visit hdwc.org.